Hail Dictinus. Grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. The most tangible of all visible mysteries, fire. Welcome to Storytelling Fire, the 236th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening is courtesy of 19th century poet Lee Hunt. Our opening and closing music is credited as Frostwalt Alternate by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com and licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0. You may call me Ode. Mary Meet, my name is Gwyn Ode's mother, and we are Jacksonless. Yes. But uh, I think we're going to have a good time because mm-hmm. we got stories. We got stories. We like stories. We do. This one might be a little short because Gwen only has one story, but it's a long story. Mm-hmm. And I have two short stories. So, But before that, we have to start with housekeeping. That's right. And it's that time of the month, people. Yes, because it's the first <laughs> of the month. Uh, that means the reading of all the patron names. So get ready for that. Sit back, relax, get your favorite drink, and here we go. Uh-huh. So there are 33 kittens. We love you, kittens. Thank you, kittens. There are 23 cats, and their names are Annalise Scharfenberger, Jeremy Glazenhart, Renjamin, Tiffany Kozash, Ebby, Nikki Norcross, Renee Nyan, Amber Stark, Kelly Burt, Nova Misko, Annabelle Lee, Rose Shepard, Candy Russell, The Dryad, Claire K.R. Miller, Elisa Durka, Kelly Burt, Shakora, Rebecca Hillman, Quinn Ann ASMR, Laura Loki, Cindy Barrick, and Skye. We love you, cats. Thank you, cats. There are 58 hunters, and their names are Heather Doyle, Ames of Ashland, Kawasu Tanku, Amara Sapphire Wolf, Sin Springstead, Dwyer, Kellen Tasber, Sarah Goff, Leanne Gee, Scout, Lisa N., Heather Weidman, Annie Ray, Tom Warfell, Brandon Adair, C.J. Kaufman, Hexa Luna, Mary Rose, Misa Sky, Asipiter, Ivy Rose, Cameron Grant, Ashley Ann, Don Taylor, Maharet, Talia Franks, Knight Ryan, Druidic Cart, Daughter of Oak, Alicia Noble, Precious Fire, Roanoke the Wiccan Wizard, Samwise the Blonde, Charlene Hughes, Goddess Incognito, Rhiannon M. Gray, La Petite Poison, Loriana Lee Knapp, Melissa Gerben, Maddie Kuhns, Corvus Feliday, Kai Oakenshield, Ryan Hopkins, Teresa Tomblin, Rochala and Dasvid, David Dashafen Keys, Zamino Kokoro, Amy Martin, Sky Bierce, Jim Two Snakes, Sarenth Odinson, Ushi Ursa, Finn, Alyssa Addy, Ray Lathrop, Dahlia Darge, Jessica Jones, and Charles Howison. We love you, Hunters. Thank you, Hunters. There are eight leopards. And their names are Jody Cozy, Luna, Kimberly Squeaky Reynolds, Alex Robinson, Eleanor Faithful, Chris Calibri, Gemma Atkinson, and Gary Bearstorm. We love you, leopards. Thank you, leopards. There are seven tigers, and their names are Yuki Quinn, M.B. Strang, Around Grandfather Fire, Weavers of the Web ATC, Kelly and Jim, Amanda Hicks, and Crystal of Apothecary Tees. We love you, tigers. Thank you, tigers. There is one... Panther, and her name is Laurel Jade. We love our Panther. Thank you, Laurel Jade. And there are three Jaguars. Jaguars. And their names are Silver Wolf Arrow, Nolan Hayes, and Justin Stanage. We love you, Jaguars. And that's it? Yep, that is all of the patrons. (laughs) So thank you to our patrons. Yes, absolutely. Thank you to all of our patrons. You know we love you and we appreciate you. And uh, thank you for just... Sticking with us for so long. Mm-hmm. I 
was going to have a resource for you for housekeeping. Um, it was the Trans Advocacy Network, but Twitter decided that Twitter's not going to let you see tweets anymore. <laughs> so I can't, I, I, I lost them. So when I find them again, or if you can find their website somewhere, Trans Advocacy Network is cool. I was mostly familiar with them through their resource gathering on Twitter, where they helped people who needed resources like to transition or mm-hmm. to get to mm-hmm. other states gather like it was a, a mutual aid fund. But like I said, they did most of their organizing on Twitter and Twitter burned to the ground a couple of days ago and I haven't caught up yet. So <laughs> if you can figure out where they are now, they're out there. They're out there. And of course, I'm always pushing out front. We have out front Kalamazoo. Mm-hmm. There's different out front organizations, you know, all over the place. Mm-hmm. So look to see if you have out front. Local your, out front. Yep out front in your area Mm -hmm. because they're a very good organization yeah and i think mutual aid networks in general are are a good resource like i said a lot of them actually were using twitter to help organize and Mm -hmm. find people who needed resources but um see if there's a mutual aid network in your area Mm -hmm. um not even just for queer uh issues but but in general because the capitalism healthscape is um Mm -hmm. proceeding apace i know that they're starting to do the same thing for women who need uh health care yep and can't get it in their state. Yeah. Look around for mutual aid networks in your area um, and plug into those. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They can be very helpful. They can. Or if you don't need it yourself, but you have the money. Right. The funds if you and have resources. extra resources that you can afford to put into a mutual aid network so that someone who needs something can get yep. something, that's how those things work. Yep. Exactly. We so, are. So, house kept and. House swept. Hooray! <laughs> okay. So, since. Uh, I have two short stories, and Gwen has one long story. We're going to break with form, and I'm going to read the first story. And it's not like I did that on purpose at all. I really didn't. It just worked out that way. So the first story I'm going to tell is from Japan, mm-hmm. and it is about um, the creation of the Ubagabi. Mm, that sounds interesting. Yes. So in Osaka, a very, very long time ago, um, there was a shortage of oil in the province. Um, And you needed oil to keep your lamps lit and to keep fires going and shit like that. It was important. Um, Yeah, kind of. Yeah, but it was very expensive and um, very uh, hard to get your hands on. So there was a very poor old woman who lived in Osaka um, who had no family or relatives. And so she was all alone. And to make ends meet, she resorted to stealing oil from lamps. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and, selling and it back? selling it. Yep. Oh. Yes. Not Ooh. not a wise no. proposition. No. Um, especially because this was very, very long ago in Osaka, mm. and she wasn't traveling very far to sell the oil. So she was, like, stealing from one lamp and then selling it in the market in the same town. And they were like, hmm. A little suspicious. Dicey. Especially since, like, how does this old woman have the oil hookup, right? So one of the places that consistently had oil and that she was stealing oil from was a shrine. Oh, Uh that's even worse. (laughs) She was stealing oil from the lamps at the shrine and the lamps at the shrine have to steal it for, you know, religious reasons. But that meant they always had oil. So it was like a really reliable source for her to steal the oil from. And it meant they always had to buy oil so they would buy the oil from her in the market. Oh my God. So eventually... The priest of this uh, shrine noticed that 
the they were always getting oil from the this same old woman in the market. How does this old woman have where does where is she getting the oil? Is he finally cottoning on? He's finally cottoning on. They're like, hmm, something's not right here. And he notices that the oil in the lamps isn't lasting as long as it should. So he notices that, like, they'll light the, the the lamps in the shrine in the morning, but then, like, before the end of the night, the lamps are going out. So clearly, either this oil is really bad quality or something's happening to the oil. <laughs> so he stakes out the shrine Ooh, overnight. Granny gonna get caught. Uh-huh. And he catches this old woman stealing oil that she sold them oh from their lamps to sell back to them the next day. Oh, my God. You know, it's really... A pretty good scam. It is, as long as no one catches you. As long you. as no one catches you. But she got caught. But she got caught. So the priest um, obviously was none too pleased. So um, he exposed her to the whole town oh. as an oil thief. Oh. Yeah. Um, okay, that's not happy. Yeah, which, I mean, it didn't, I it, mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, she was stealing oil, uh-huh. but she's an old lady. She is. She's a little old lady who had no other means of income. But she was stealing oil and scamming the shrine and, and uh, other people in town. And so he revealed her crime to the town. Um, and there was no punishment for this crime. But she was shunned by the townspeople as a thief. Oh, okay. So in shame and despair, she uh, goes to the pond um, by the shrine and kills herself. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. This is a sad story. It's a sad story. story. Um, but because this was an unclean death... Her spirit transforms into the Ubagabi, which is a kind of uh, Hinotama, which is a, a fireball spirit, a fireball oh. ghost. Okay. Um, and so she appears um, over the ponds next to the shrine as like a glowing ball of flame mm-hmm. with an old woman's face inside. Mm-hmm. And if she gets too close to you, she will curse you to die within the next year. Ooh. Yeah. Um, but... You can scare her away by shouting Abura Sashi, oil thief, at her. Oh, and it vanishes her. Because she's shamed. Uh-huh, because she's still so ashamed of what she did. Oh, my gosh. That's a really cool story. Yeah. And that's why we should uh, institute a universal basic income. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so no one has to steal oil and then die and become an ubagabi. This is a cautionary tale. Uh-huh. Thank you, Japan. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's really sad. Yeah, it's a sad story. It's sad. Um, and it kind of sucks for everybody. Like, I understand why the priest at the shrine was like, hey, you've been stealing our oil and then <laughs> selling us our own oil. Like, I understand why that was frustrating. Mm-hmm. And I understand why the old woman, like, didn't have another solution. I don't know. It's a mess. It's, it's, a, a, it's a sad story with no, with no winners, only losers. No winners. This is a sad, sad story. Yeah. All right. Now it's my turn. Yes. So this is a story... From the Northwest Shoshone. And I got it at storytellingforeveryone.net. Okay. And it is called How Coyote Stole Fire. Yes. <laughs> All right. Settle back, chillins. <laughs> Long ago, when everything was new and the world was bright, there were very happy times. Spring would bring about flowers and summer brought heat and warmth and plenty of time to be outside and people were happy (laughs) but then the autumn would come and things would start to cool down and the leaves would fall from the trees and then would come the cold and winter and the cold weather caused the death 
for a lot of people, especially the older people mm -hmm. and the younger children. And so it was just a very sad, scary, lonely time because it was cold and they didn't have resources and they they just couldn't keep warm. Mm -hmm. And the, and food was scarce too. So right. it was just harsh and a difficult time. Now, around the people was an animal named Coyote. And Coyote was one of the wisest and most cunning of the animals and a bit of a trickster. However, he was also a friend to the people. And one night, he listened to their mournful songs when he heard of the people who had died mm -hmm. and they were lamenting about how cold it was and how they couldn't help the people who were getting sick and dying because right. of lack of warmth and lack of food. And they were so sad and so full of despair that Coyote almost felt frozen to his core with the shared grief of the people. Then Coyote heard one woman cry out, the sun, if only we had a piece of it to carry through winter, the suffering would end. So and Coyote this, was like, hmm. <laughs> Coyote got an idea because Coyote knew of a place far away on the top of a mountain where three fire spirits lived and they tended a piece of the sun there. But they guarded it jealously so that only they could have it and the people could not because they were afraid that if the people got fire, then they would be just as powerful as the fire spirits. And they didn't want that to happen. Now, these fire spirits were terrible to behold. They had sharp talons that were long and deadly. Mm -hmm. They had eyes like hot coals. But Coyote... He was not afraid. In fact, he wanted to play a trick on the fire spirits for so long that he just thought, hmm, this might be a really good way to trick them and teach them not to be so selfish and stingy with fire. Two birds, one stone. That's right. <laughs> I love coyote. Coyote is awesome. So... So Coyote set out that day to steal their secret of fire. Uh -huh. <laughs> and this is what you get for trying to keep secrets. That's right. And so he could help the people with the fire and help them to be able to live through the winter without mm -hmm. losing so many of their, their loved ones and going hungry. Now, the fire spirits, they were used to seeing Coyote in the, in the woods sniffing around. Lurking around lurking around, and they just thought he was a regular old coyote. They and didn't realize he was capital C Coyote. Mm -hmm. And so they didn't pay him any mind as he slowly inched his way closer, just kind of, you know, making his way through the forest, sniffing at the trees and, and just creeping just, along. Just doing coyote things. Just doing coyote things. And he got closer and closer to them and their fire. And then he just sat himself down and watched them. And they paid him no mind. He wasn't hurting anything. And he was just a silly old coyote. But he was watching everything they did. And as they tended the fire, 
he learned what had to be done to take care of the fire and keep it for himself. He saw how they fed the fire with bits of wood and pine cones. And he learned that you had to be careful because fire can grow. And so he learned that you had to stamp it out if it threatened any of the dry grass that was around the area where the fire existed. And he learned that the flames needed to be contained. He also learned that fire should never be left alone and should always have a guard to watch over it. And of course, the fire spirits would take turns throughout the day and the night. Mm -hmm. They would want some would be sleeping, another would be watching over it, and they would be tending their fire. But as he was studying them, he noticed that there were two that were siblings. And one would try to wake the other, and the other was always difficult to wake up when it was time for them to get up and take care of the fire in the morning. Mm -hmm. And so the one would get frustrated and just, you know, kind of wander away and then come back and then get them up to take over and watch the fire. After studying them for all this time, Coyote went back down the mountain to the people and he told them about the fire spirits and how they tended a piece of the sun. And he told the animals as well about this piece of the sun that was on the mountain. And so all the people and the animals agreed they wanted fire and determined that they would help him get it. Planning a heist. Planning a heist. So Coyote returned to the mountaintop. And as usual, the fire spirits ignored him completely. And he waited and he waited through the day into the night until just before dawn. Because that was the time when the one fire spirit mm -hmm. would go to its sibling and try to wake them up mm -hmm. because that was when their turn came. Coyote just waited and watched as the one poked and poked, come on, time to get up, it's your turn. And the other fire spirit would just roll away and not, mm -hmm. you know, not get up. Until finally, the one fire spirit just got up in a huff and walked away while the other one rolled over and went back to sleep. Leaving the sun unguarded. Leaving the sun unguarded. And that is when Coyote he leapt forward and snatched that bit of fire at, on a stick of wood, mm -hmm. and he raced away down the mountain. Now, of course, the fire spirits pursued him right. immediately. <laughs> as soon as they realized what had happened, and they, they all got up and they chased after him, screeching and hollering and hissing with fury. And as he was racing like the wind down the mountain, they tried grabbing at him and they would grab little birds and, out of the sky and throw them at him. And they would <laughs> grab branches off the trees and throw them at him. And he just kept running, you know, dodging everything. Mm -hmm. just, just imagine this. Dodging and weaving. Yep, just dodging and weaving with this stick of fire in his <laughs> mouth. Dodging and weaving everything while the fire spirits are just bearing down on him. But just like the flame, they finally caught up with him because mm. flame is very fast. That is true. And so one finally reached out with its talon, grabbing hold of the tip of his tail, turning the hairs white. 
Which is why Coyote's tail, to this day, is what? Badly hurt. Coyote flung the stick with the fire away, only for Squirrel to jump up and catch it. But she put it on her back, and it burned her too. Which is why today, her tail is up over her back. Ah. Because she -hmm. was burned by the fire. So, she then tossed the fire to Chipmunk, who froze in fear, holding the stick with the fire and three ginormous, terrifying, (laughs) angry angry fire spirits coming down on her. And one of them slashed her with her three claws. And that is why today Chipmunk has three white stripes down their back. Finally, Chipmunk got over her fear Mm -hmm. and she raced forward and then threw the stick with the fire to Frog. And Frog leaped up, grabbed that stick, and as he was leaping away, one of the fire spirits snatched his tail and ripped it off (laughs) into their hand. But he kept going. Mm -hmm. He kept fleeing. Brave brave Frog. Brave Frog (laughs) kept going. And that is why frogs have never had a tail ever since. So Frog... Then threw the fire into wood. And but wood grabbed the fire and held it within. And would not give up the secret of how to release fire from within. And the fire spirits sang to it and they begged it and they offered gifts to the wood and wood would not yield. Wood would not release fire back to the fire spirits. Mm -hmm. And so, finally defeated, the fire spirits returned to their mountain, never to leave their fire unattended ever again. And saddened by the knowledge that at some point, people would have fire Mm -hmm. and have the same knowledge that they do. Now, because Coyote is so clever, And he tricked Wood into telling him the secret of how to release fire Mm. from Wood. So that you could have fire. So that you could use it. He showed the people what he learned about how to rub two sticks together. And how to spin a sharpened stick in a hole made in another piece of wood. And that doing this would draw the fire out of the wood That was something that the fire spirits just had no patience to learn or to do. Which is why they lost their piece of the sun. They lost their bit of fire to wood. So now fire lives in wood, and we know how to make wood give it up. That's right. Exactly. So thanks to coyote, squirrel, chipmunk, and frog, the people were able to keep a piece of the sun to keep them warm in winter. And we still keep it. And that is the end of the tale. Hail Dictinus! Hail Dictinus! I forgot to hail Dictinus earlier. Very good story. I love stories about Coyote. Rannon says Coyote's a track star. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty much. I love Coyote in this because even though he's a trickster, mm-hmm. he's friendly. He's a friendly I, most, trickster. Most tricksters do like <laughs> help out humanity at one stage or another. Mm-hmm. Rannon says, I like the concept of fire living in wood. It makes it it makes a tree something that genuinely has all the elements rather than just being earth. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. I think that's really that's a really interesting way to frame it because that is how we make fire. Like mm-hmm. traditionally, mm-hmm. is 
you either you can do like a fire stick, like a fire drill, mm-hmm. like the story talks about, or you use like a flint and flint. steel. Mm-hmm. Um, so either fire lives in trees or fire lives in stones, but either mm-hmm. way, that's how you get fire. That's how you get fire. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. a, I like that. That's a really interesting way yeah. to frame it. It's a very cool story. And yeah. I just, I love just how all of the animals come together. Yeah. <laughs> and then it explains their different uh-huh. attributes, yeah. you know, like the white tip of the coyote tail or the, the reason a squirrel's tail is mm-hmm. curved or, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I like that. It's cool. Finn says uh, the coyote stealing fire story is one of uh, their favorite stories. First time they heard it was from an indigenous storyteller. Oh, that, that would be very cool. wonderful. Yeah. I did my best. It's <laughs> the <laughs> so best we can do. Best we can do. <laughs> And Finn also says the Shoshone have some great stories. Yeah. They do. All the tribes that have shared stories have really interesting stories. And it's really interesting to see the variations between them. Yeah. And honestly, while I was looking for stories, I had a hard time finding anything but a short description. Yeah. You know, and I was looking for the myth. Yeah, the, so the, the full story. The full story. And it was actually kind of hard. Yeah. To, but then to I found up. Coyote's story. Do you believe in the power of the sacred fire? Join us on Around Grandfather Fire, a podcast where we discuss spirituality, mythology, animism, and culture around a digital fire. We'll be talking about witchcraft, paganism, heathenry, and all the other forms of spiritual expression that you can imagine. If you love hearing about how people practice their faith, how they use it to connect with others and to make sense of the world around them, and if you like to laugh while doing it, then this is the podcast for you. You can listen to Around Grandfather Fire on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are found. All right, so I have one more story, which is also about an animal getting fire, but this time it was not stolen. Oh. This story is from Normandy and Brittany and the parts of Europe that would eventually become mostly France. Mm-hmm. Um, Gaul. Yeah, that general area. So in these days... Obviously, uh, humans had no fire, mm-hmm. and they got cold in the winter, and mm-hmm. they didn't like that. So they conferred together about how they would solve this problem. And like uh, the Shoshone, they concluded, well, the problem is that we need some some sun mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. to be here with us on Earth. And they concluded that the only way that they could get the sun was if they asked the good god to give them some. This character is always described as the good god. I don't know if this is supposed to be the Christian god or just a sort of an abstract god, or maybe like an abstractification of a sky deity from the area, unclear. But they always call this character the good god. Um, so they, they conclude they need to ask the good god to give them a piece of the sun because the good god lives in the sky and so does the sun. Um, but to do that, they're gonna have to send someone up into the sky to get it. And to talk to the good uh-huh, god. And to talk to the good god and to con- convey their message. And the only uh, creatures who can go up into the sky are birds. So the people have to ask birds if they will be willing to go to the good god and get a piece of the sun. Uh, so they ask the big birds because it's got a long way to the mm-hmm. sun. The sky is huge and the good god lives so far away. You need a big bird with big wings. And all of the big birds say, no, no, thank you. <laughs> the eagles and the hawks and the vultures all say, no, thank you. Too far? Too far, too dangerous, too scary. We want none of this. <laughs> So they say, okay, well, we'll ask some of the, the mid-sized birds. So they ask, you know, the uh, some of the smaller hawks. And all of those birds also say, no, absolutely not. We want none of this. <laughs> we do not want to be involved 
in My your goodness. in your son stealing shenanigan. They're um, not stealing. No, they're, they're they they intend to ask. They intend um, to ask. But they the birds do not want to be involved. Listening to all this has been the littlest bird, the wren. Mm. And the wren says, "Well, if no one else is going to go and speak to the good god, I'll go and speak to the good god." Good lord, it's like Frodo in the one exactly. Ring. <laughs> it is. It is exactly like that because the response that the, the the people living in will someday be France have is, "You can't possibly go. You're too small. You're too small. Your wings are too short. You won't even get halfway there. And even if you do, how would you get back?" <laughs> How would you even carry a piece of the sun? You're so bitty. You're so bitty and small, you can't possibly do this. <laughs> this is true. I've seen, like, film of wrens. They're, uh, they're teeny, so tiny, small. Teeny, tiny. Teeny, tiny, itty, bitty birds. Itty, bitty birds. And, but the wren is, is um, not, not discouraged by this at all. Wren says, I can absolutely get to the sun and to the good God and bring it back. It will be fine. <laughs> and if I die on the way there, then so be it. <laughs> Literally, that's part of the myth of saying, well, if I die on the way, oh, well. Oh, okay. <laughs> so much the worse. Brave little Ren. <laughs> yeah, Ren is, not, Ren is not here for being disparaged for her size. <laughs> Ren is going to go talk to the good god, since none of these other bigger birds are going to do it. Bunch of chickens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. The chickens presumably also said, no, can't fly that can't far. Fly. <laughs> so uh, the Ren sets off on her journey, and she manages to make it all the way to the good god. Oh. It's a long, it's a long flight. And she has to work very, very hard, but she flies so, so well that she gets all the way up to the good god. The good god is like, my god, Ren, what are you doing here? <laughs> my me. Uh, my me? Why are you here? Ren, you're so... How, why are you here? And goodness, did you come all this way? <laughs> did, Teeny tiny one. Did, did someone escort you? How did you even get here? And Ren is like, hello, good god. I am here for a piece of the sun for the humans. And uh, because it's very cold. And they would like to not be cold anymore. And the good god is like, well, that's very gracious and kind of you, Ren. Um, looking out for humans. I am very fond of them. So, yes, I'll give them a piece of the sun. But how are you going to carry it back? <laughs> and Ren says, well, I'll carry it in my claws, obviously. <laughs> and the good god says, all right. I'll give you a very small piece of the sun. Because your claws are very, very small. But you have to be very careful on your flight back. Because if you go too fast and the wind catches the sun, it might burn you. Mm-hmm. Ren says, okay, I'm tired anyway. I'll fly back very slowly. And the wind will not catch the sun and everything will be fine. And the good god says, okay, here's your little tiny spark. Go ahead and take that in your claws. All right. Have a safe trip. <laughs> And so Ren starts flying back to, to Earth, to the humans, and she's taking it slow. She's gliding a lot. She's making sure she doesn't go too fast and that the wind doesn't catch the sun. Mm-hmm. But as she starts approaching, all the people see, like, oh, there's this little spot coming down. <laughs> so all the people gather around, and they watch looking up into the sky, and there's this little piece of light splitting off from the sun and coming down towards them. And as she gets closer and closer, they recognize, oh, it's Ren. <laughs> She's back. She's not dead. And so they all start cheering. They're so excited that oh, Ren no. has, yeah, they all start cheering and, and applauding. They're so excited that Ren has come back, that she's brought some sun with her, that she's not dead. Um, and so Ren gets so excited to see them all um, and to bring them the, the sun and to prove that that she that she did this impossible task that all of the bigger birds said 
they wouldn't do and that all the humans said she couldn't do and she did it. <laughs> and so she's so excited to bring them the sun that she starts flapping her wings no, faster man, and faster no. so she can get there faster and give them the sun. And the wind catches the sun. Her whole body catches on fire and she's alight as she collapses to the earth. <laughs> oh, no. Yes, just on fire bird. A little puff of bird. A little, a little, a little puff of bird just goes whoosh oh. <laughs> and collapses to the earth. Oh, this is a sad story, um, too. And so the humans are like, oh, no, Red, you made it all this way, and then you got on fire. But they, you know, they pulled a little bit of the sun away, and they, they're like, okay, we're going to put that somewhere for safekeeping. Yeah. <laughs> but all the, the, all the other birds gather around because they were watching this progress as well, being like, how on earth did that little bitty bird <laughs> do this thing we all thought no bird could do? But so they all gather around to observe the, the little flaming wren. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the flames finally die down and she's just covered in soot um, and all her feathers are gone, they feel so bad for her that each bird plucks the feather from its own wing and puts together a new suit of feathers for oh. wren. And that's why wren has a speckled coat. Oh. But Screech Owl refused to give a feather from his Cloaked because he was too he was too proud of his feathers, and so all of the birds are now enemies of Screech Owl, and that's why Screech Owl only comes out at night, and all other birds try to kill Screech Owl anytime they see him. Wow! Because <laughs> uh, apparently, I guess in Normandy, Screech Owls were under assault by, but you will occasionally see Screech Owls um, and, and other kinds of owls being like dive bombed by little birds like little wrens. Bitty, little uh huh. Um, there's a variation of this also where it's a red-breasted robin instead of a wren, mm-hmm. um, and the the sun burns the feathers on the robin's breast, and that's why it has red feathers. But um, either way, that's a wonderful story. Yeah, I love it, and I like that one because there's no theft involved. <laughs> it's no. just purely like the good god was like, yeah, sure, you can have some sun. They're a bitty, bitty bird. Yeah, I was watching a live feed of a wren's nest. They had it outside and inside, mm-hmm. and there was and somebody put voices to it, and they were just little bitty, bitty, oh, bitty God, yeah, birds. They're so, so small. But yeah, so that's the story of how wren fetched the fire. Fetched the fire for people. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's awesome. Yeah. So I thought that one was cute. And like I said, there are a few variations of that where it's Wren, where it's Robin. There's uh, a variation where there's that sort of relay like there is in the Coyote mm-hmm. story where like Robin fetches it first and burns and then fet- sends it to Wren and then Wren gets caught on fire and hands it off to mm-hmm. Lark. <laughs> <laughs> Tag team. Uh-huh. Yep. But um, but the most widespread one in, in Europe, is in that Wren. part of Europe, is that Wren fetches the fire. That is very And cool. burns off all her feathers and so the other... The other birds have to give her new feathers. Oh, well, at least she didn't die. Mm-hmm, yeah. I thought she was going to be like I know, because at the original part of the story, she was like, well, if I die, so what? It's like, oh, <laughs> no, Ren, no. But she didn't. She, she didn't. survived. And so. that's it. Yep, that's it. That's all the stories we that's got. That's all the stories we got. <laughs> it's a little bit of a short one tonight. That's okay. But yeah. They were good stories. I think they are good stories. Yes. Uh, <laughs> what's all the stuff I do at the end of an episode? Shit. Uh, you can Google us with uh-huh. the number three and the words pagans and a cat, or the number three and the letters P A A C. You can also find us online at the number three pagans and a cat dot com, uh, where we have links to a variety of things that we do, including mm-hmm. our Patreon and a Redbubble mm-hmm. and the archive of Gwen's blog on Patheos Pagan. Mm-hmm. You can also follow her on TikTok, where she mm-hmm. does TikTok things. Mm-hmm. 
You can't follow us on Twitter because Twitter's dying. And we haven't been on Twitter for a while because, you know, we saw the, we the saw that writing coming. on the wall. <laughs> uh, let's see. Anything else that we do? Yeah, I don't think so. That's pretty much it. Okay. I think that's it. Go read a story. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually planning for us to do um, uh, storytellings about all of the elements. So there will be a storytelling water and an air and an earth. I'll so. try to find more than one story. Yeah. So. But I just really liked that one story. That's right. Goodbye! Goodbye!